Rena Striegel. Welcome to Ag Inspo, the podcast that focuses on innovation and creativity in agriculture. In my travels across the U.S., my mind is blown by the farmers, ranchers, and business owners who are contributing to the richness of the agricultural landscape. My hope is that by sharing their stories, you will be inspired to have the courage to break through and bring an idea you have to life. Kimberly and Josh, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. I am super excited for all of our listeners to get to meet you and to hear all about the amazing things that are happening in your life right now. So I'm not even going to try to do a synopsis of all that exciting things. I'm just going to turn it over to the two of you so that you can tell all of our listeners a little bit about your story and then bring us up to speed as to where you are today. All right. Well, um, we do have two kids sitting here with us, so (laughs) bear with us. That's okay. This is the Ag Inspo, and this is about farms. So if we didn't have kids somewhere, then I think we'd be doing something wrong. Uh, Right, right. Well, I guess if we turn all the way back to um, our background, you know, both of us grew up in ag. So, um, and Josh and I actually met at my parents. He worked for my folks. So little farmer's daughter story and Josh has got a background he went to Wyo Tech and in Wyoming and then I actually went a different direction and went for health and fitness but swore I wasn't going to marry a farmer but here we are today and you know I don't know Josh if you want to share a little bit more about you know where you started what your stuff what you did <laughs> so yeah, my mom and dad dairy farmed, and then they dad hurt his back, so he ended up selling the, the cows and the farm. Um, but he went to be an equipment salesman, primarily selling forage equipment. And so I would ride along in demos and stuff, and, and drive choppers to demos and different things, and that led into working for a few different farmers. And then yeah, I went to Wildtech for diesel mechanics. Worked at a shop for a while. Figured I figured out that I didn't really like that in a shop every day, all day. And um, went to work for Todd and Louise Malika, Kimberly's parents, and um, for a few years there. And then in 2008, um, my brother and I joined up and we decided to do some trucking and farming. Um, and then in 2009, we bought our first forage harvester, did that, and kept growing. And then, so Kimberly and I were married in 2011. And then in 2015, my brother and I decided to split up. And then it was um, just Kimberly and I kept. So 2015 was a big turning point for us, a, a really big turning point. We went from being a partner with my brother to being on our own. And in that same year, we doubled our size. To, to meet our, our clients' needs in Colorado down here. So we doubled our equipment, doubled our labor, uh, just a huge jump, which came with all its challenges and everything. <laughs> and we've grown since then uh, every year quite a bit. Had babies along the way. Yeah, so, so to back up, so now when we, when him and his brother were starting, in order for me to quote-unquote see him I had to have dates in the tractor but I had to run my own tractor see so it was kind of free but kind of paid for labor and then which then led into us getting married and now we have five children all under the age of eight 
So, you know, I mean, I was, I've been in the semi with the kids, you know, you make it work when you first start. I mean, it definitely, definitely wasn't easy. I mean, more times than when we were short help, we would put in long hours, but we'd get the job done one way or the other. So. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, you know, just that decision to split, you know, the partnership that with your brother, Josh, I know that that's always a, you know, that that's a common thing, right? We're in family farming operations and sometimes we get along really well and sometimes we don't get along so well and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So talk a little bit about the decision to split from your brother and, you know, kind of what all went into that discussion because it seems like right after you made that decision then you know the gas got turned up and away you went in terms of growth yeah so when when we started discussing this uh, of, of splitting up there was a few things uh, communication issues was the biggest thing it wasn't communicate we we did not communicate the way we should have we did too many different things. We did trucking, we did farming, we did custom farming, we did chopping. I mean, everything that we could possibly do when we split up and he went to go uh, just trucking and selling hay and straw, which he still does today. And he, he's grown quite a bit in that. So he focused on one thing and we focused on one thing and we grew it, you know, it's completely separate, but we, um, you know, the first year after the, the split, it was tough. I mean, there was, because it's money. And we got along pretty good through that whole th deal, but we get along better today than we did when we were in partnership. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a really good point is sometimes we think we got to hold it all together. And really, sometimes if we're talking about like family harmony and, you know, just having people feel like they're working to their unique gifts and talents, it sometimes is better to take a look at it and say, is this better as separate businesses as opposed to trying to hold everything together and then not allow people the opportunity to grow the way they want to. So, right. so once you, you know, you decided to take Parker Forage and, you know, create its own entity around that, talk a little bit about how you, because you were growing at that time. So how did you fulfill the need for more labor? Because that is always an issue in agriculture is how do we grow and get enough good people to help us get the job done? First of all, we did not get good people. We got uh, unemployment people and, and job force people and stuff. And it was tough. I mean, guys would leave in the middle of, of season. Guys would, you know, just a whole gauntlet of different things that they would do. But for every bad one that we had, we had probably two good ones. We've been really blessed with labor through the years. We really have been. But then in 2000, so it's 2020, 2018. In 2018, we brought in six Mexicans on the H2A visa program. And we wish we'd had started that a long time ago. They, the, the Mexicans really know their, their work ethic is there. Kimberly would bring lunch to the field uh, or parts or whatever, and they will jump out of their piece of equipment to help her unload it. I mean, it's just a culture deal where anybody else just sits in their truck and, and looks, you know, but no, that, that has been one of the best decisions. It comes with a whole different management process and everything with fees and, and, 
dealing with the government on that side, but we believe it's it's still the best choice, which we're going through a few issues right at the moment, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's always hard when you're working through programs that can change. And right now, you know, they certainly have changed quite a lot in terms of, you know, nobody can get into the country. And so, you know, we could have a whole show probably on our current state. But what, <laughs> yeah. what, you know, as you found that you were growing, what were some of the things that you put in place to help make management of people easier and more effective? Because I know that you run multiple crews, you've got different people, you know, all, and, and maybe talk just a little bit about the footprint that you actually serve in terms of where your clients are in relationship to you. Historically, we've opt, we start our season in um, northeastern Colorado, chopping alfalfa. And then uh, in August, we end up going into Nebraska and South Dakota to chop corn silage or, you know, grouted all corn silage. <clears throat> and then, uh, so Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, we do a corn run. And then somewhere in there, we come back to Colorado to do earlage. So we're, we're, well, last year, what was it? It was after deer hunting. Well, one of our machines is still at a client's farm that we never did finish because we got snowed out. So, so as far as management of, of more people, our main hired guy has been with us. Actually, he started the week we got married. So <laughs> that gives an idea how long he's been with us. And that he's been a key, a huge key. Um, he runs a crew up by himself. And we've had a few other guys through the years that have ran crews. Yeah, but they, they moved on to do other things. But the biggest, the easiest way to do that is because when we're in, when we're in Colorado and we're doing the alfalfa, we're all together. So I'm able to show or mentor these guys how I want things done. And I hope that that trickles down and it has trickled down. Some guys don't quite get it all, but our Greta is moving the. I know Greta, Greta is our production assistant today. <laughs> she is. But I have to add to that, though, Josh is really good, and he's very patient with the employees, with the crew, and he communicates well with them, because not everybody has the patience to teach and to mentor, and you have to have patience. It's like working with adult children, really, and because you have to have patience like you do with a child, because they don't know, or it's, they don't own it, so they're not going to maybe appreciate it as, as you do. And it's, there's always give and take with that. So, you know, that is a big. Yeah, I feel like in some ways, you know, just the, the management of people can sometimes be a real barrier to people feeling like they can grow or take on new business opportunities or ideas just simply because they are afraid of either one, I will not be able to find good people, good consistent help, or I'm just not quite sure that I personally have the skill set or the patience to actually train and manage a crew. And we, so <laughs> Kimberly um, drug me to a personal Mom. development deal. Uh, I don't even know what year that was, 2013 maybe. And after that, I went voluntarily for uh, quite a few more seminars, but that has probably been the biggest changer in our lives is personal development to to have the self-worth to be able to 
uh, know that you can make things happen and rely on yourself to get things accomplished. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's been a huge deal for our business and our, our marriage, everything. Yeah, yeah well, we really believe that no matter what, it's always gonna work out. You know, if we're willing to show up, it'll work out. It might not be exactly the way we want, but there, we know there's good on the other end, one way or the other. Yeah, talk a little bit about like what you do in terms of personal development, because I, I do believe that that is something that's really critical in agriculture right now is that we are constantly, you know, reading things, experiencing things, even things that are outside agriculture so that we're kind of bringing best business practices into our businesses. So talk a little bit about what the two of you do and what you have found to be really effective in that arena. So we went to some seminars um, and they're still going on. We, I haven't been to one for quite a while now, but um, so currently, you know, it's podcasts and, and there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube that we watch uh, or that I watch and listen to and books, uh, audio books. And there, there's a lot of different resources and different ways you can go about it. That's, I know Bob, Bob Proctor is probably the most recent one that we've dabbled in some, but I think it's always good to have something in your ears. We're always driving, we're always in a tract, we're always in a semi of sorts. So, you know, put one earbud in, probably not both. You got to pay attention, but always have something positive going into your mind because there's always negative around us, but what are you going to choose, the good or the bad to dive into? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've got now fairly significantly sized operation. Talk about some of the growth that happened after that, because I, you know, I know that, that you were, you know, working fairly closely with Kimberly's family and, you know, then just kind of your business has evolved so much over the last couple of years. So how, how do you and Kimberly kind of make those decisions? Like what are, you know, what is the, the practices that you have around kind of communicating and evaluating what you should be doing next in terms of your growth? A lot of our growth has came from our, our main client in Colorado. You know, we talk, we communicate on a daily basis on what we need and what a wish list or, or different things as far as that. I mean, at the end of the year, we do sit down and say, okay, what do we, what do we, what do, we do good and what do we need to add or or get better at in the coming year, you know, and I think one thing, some of the things that have urged us to, you know, like when it comes going back to the employee standpoint of things to delegate and to train under pressure is we've ha we have five children. So, okay, we're having a baby. Now we need to make sure we have the people in place so we both can have this baby. So if anything, you know, you're stuck in, situations where you can either choose to crawl in a hole or you can choose to find you know the things to make that continue to move on but in terms of you know adding our equipment and growing this goes by we just do what we have to do mm -hmm. <laughs> and add what needs to be added yeah talk a little bit about like just the way that you guys balance sort of the, the obligations of owning a business where you're traveling you know you're traveling a significant portion of the year and also balancing um the commitment that you have to your kids talk a little bit about how you as a couple balance all of that 
because Josh, I know that you're an amazing dad. I mean, you're in so many of the pictures with the kids. The kids are out in the fields with you guys. So just kind of talk about a little bit about how you balance that, because I know that's something that, that young farm families are constantly having to evaluate, is how do we get enough family time when we're also trying to kind of grow and diversify our operations? The, the biggest thing is a focus. Focus on what you are good at and delegate. You know, if there's people in your, in your organization that can do a, a task, do other things that, that um, takes you away from your family, if they can do it and do it the way you want them to do it or, or to get the same result that you want, then uh, let them do it. Pay somebody to do it. Right now, I mean, I'm kind of in a pickle right now where I'm doing work out in the shop that, uh, that I should have a mechanic to do, but none of my guys are here yet. They're all held up with the order. So we're working through that. And historically, uh, Kimberly has came with us on the fall run uh, in, and the Colorado staying at a hotel She stayed down here for a couple weeks in a hotel room uh, with four kids three kids at that time <laughs> and then <laughs> but we we also own a very very nice fifth wheel camper that she comes with and all her last summer she cooked for the entire crew uh one meal a day I mean that's that's a big undertaking to take on with, with four kids and I so a lot of days she works way harder than I do so I would rather <laughs> be in the semi any day <laughs> <laughs> And you know, just to go back to your question, you know, so both of us grew up, you know, in agriculture and farming. I mean, both, I, I remember pictures of myself in a little red wagon while mom milked cows and there wasn't daycare, there wasn't childcare, they made it work. So I think we had that in up and we wanted children with us and around us because there's more to life than learning from a book. You got to learn from experiences. And I grew up, I was homeschooled, and we made the decision that with our kind of lifestyle that we wanted a homeschool too. And we wanted our kids to learn things that, you know, some people might get offended by this, but that you can't learn from a traditional school. And so, I mean, we're, they're in a constant field trip every single day. Like, they're in their basic academics and things of that sort. But, you know, with just with the kids along with you know I, we start when we started out again going back we were dating I was in the equipment I was driving then as we had babies I'd take them with you know over the years I did less and less hands-on because we knew that we wanted to raise our own children and not not somebody else so that being said I've gone more and more away from driving equipment myself and raising the kids and teaching the kids but then I'm like, well, let's, I'll, you know, have some employee uh, comfort and I'll cook meals. But now to this year, we're going into it where we're not going to do that. You know, just less and less until the children are more able to be, you know, they're older, more involved. You know, I might have a little bit more hands-on. But like Josh was saying before, we choose to pay others to do book work and things versus myself because, well, the kids are only once. And he's more hands-on right now, but that's the role we've chosen to do. Yeah, talk a little bit about what you're outsourcing, because I think that's another, that's a huge opportunity that you've mentioned a couple of different times, where I think people sometimes are very fearful to let go of those things, or they think that they should be able to do them. 
And so talk a little bit about what you've out, what you're outsourcing now to others. So really it's just, I do a lot of the book work, but, but then I have an accountant that goes over and everything. So that's, I let her do that. But, um, the most of the delegating is just to employees to do uh, different tasks that I know I can do them better in faster, but you, you just have to realize you can't do everything. You don't have enough time. And, and I've just realized that over the years. So we have a company based out of St. Cloud, Minnesota that was doing it currently as we bring up to speed our current situation. Um, we were outsourcing that payroll or payroll and books in general has never been my thing. That's Josh and I will do it, but it's not our strong suit. We're more hands-on type of people. And um, so that we've had a company do, and there's quite a few companies that do payroll and do things like that. So Josh, talk a little bit about what's, what's on the agenda for this season, because I know kind of this season is going to be even a little bit different because you and the family have um, made some big changes over the winter. And so kind of talk about what's, what's in line for you this year. So last June, our li largest client down here, <laughs> I was riding the pickup, we were looking at fields, and he goes, have you ever thought about partnering up with somebody? And, you know, it kind of took me back a little bit, but also um, was intriguing. And uh, so actually at the end of this month, we signed papers, and uh, Kimberly and I will be part owners in a forage harvesting company, a trucking company, and a 25,000 acre farm. It's a huge deal. Um, it, it allows us to use our equipment more effectively and spreads our personal uh, risk out significantly. And shared labor, there's just a whole list of positives. Yeah, so that's, that's happening at the end of this month and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So talk a little bit and about moved. And you miles. moved. Yes, you definitely moved. <laughs> to to back that up in more details, so when he approaches is mind you, so our last two children are sixteen months. Talk about a surprise. And all our children have been born in the winter. And this bonus baby was born in August. So the heat of everything, right? And then I am we're getting ready to head back from Colorado to have this sweet baby of ours. Miss Heidi, and he goes, we have an opportunity, and I'm like, oh, really? I mean, there's definitely a lot of tears because change is never easy, but you know, if it doesn't, if it makes you a little bit nervous, it's, it's probably a good thing, and then we had looked at this house once, and, and then I'm like, well, okay, well, we have to find a place to live, you know, all the domesticated things start coming into play. I'm like, well, let's just have this baby. And then we've said, yes, we're going to do, we're going to do this. And then it's like all the emotions of moving 800 miles. You know, the business was the easy thing. See, I grew up in a big family. We're both close to our families. So the emotions of one being pregnant and moving little kids, even though we're used to on the road lifestyle and we're really not in Minnesota that much anymore, we're living out of a camper. But it was just a lot of our first, you know, getting past that. You know, I think a lot of people would say no because that's a lot of things to say, well, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so that's also probably kind of a, a big, a big shock because 
you came out of a partnership with a family member and now you're looking at another partnership with a non-family member, which means that some of the autonomy that you guys earned by kind of becoming your own entity and being able to call all the shots is now you got to decide whether you want to go back into an agreement with another person. So, you know, just kind of talk about some of the the things that you felt were the biggest obstacles to overcome in evaluating an opportunity to partner with someone. I think, and I'll let Josh speak for himself, but I know for me, it was more of a pride thing. We had, even though we split partnership, we really had built what we have together. It was ours. We did this. And then to all of a sudden, you could say share <laughs> and share more voices to make more decisions. And both of us are, you know, can be control freaks too, but in a good way. So I think that was one of the hardest things. Yeah. As far as this partnership it's probably control. Um, you know, and I, I don't think I'm going to lose any control because I'm, you know, my job description is taking care of exactly what I was doing before. And I don't think that's going to be an issue, but it was just getting over that in our head to, to get past that is what it is. Yeah. And then not only that, but you're also moving far away from family. So that, right, right. that probably was a huge consideration. And so, you know, what, what, were, what are some of the things that, that you were able to kind of decide in terms of moving away from people who are really your biggest support system? Yeah, uh, and we're on Zoom right now, and we, we use Zoom, we use Facebook, uh, or not Facebook, Snapchat, well, Facebook too. Um, this, this day and age, I mean, it's, everything's virtual. Kimberly is really close to her sisters and her mom. I mean, they, she would go over there anytime she had a chance, and that's probably the biggest thing we've ran into so far. Otherwise, we're going to be home and and hopefully while well, we missed a birthday party with this virus and all that happy stuff, but we'll be home through the summer and in different times of the year to see family and stuff. So. But this couldn't have come at a better time because we were at a point in our business where if we wanted to take the next step to level up, we needed more chiefs in place, more people that knew these other things a lot better, you know, the areas of different expertise when it comes to book work and just to continue to grow, we were kind of capped out and I'm really consumed with kids right now. So I'm not able to be as hands-on and that's okay. So to say yes to that, and we know these, the people we're partnering with, we've been working with them for almost seven years, five years. So they're quality, good, trustworthy people. So we had no doubt there, but it's just the normal things that get into your head. Like, I don't want to share. Well, we built this, the what ifs, the unknowns, but, and then moving, but it's a lot of emotional stuff, but you really want to make it happen. Then you have to work through that. And without our personal development and the support of our parents and families, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you feel were some of it, like, you know, right now, you know, sharing resources and partnering up with neighbors and trying to come to agreements with people, that, that's kind of a trend right now. There's a lot of people looking to do that in order to share resources and reduce some of the expenses of farming. So as you were evaluating this, talk about some of the things that you, 
you know, how did you evaluate the contract? Did you get a written contract with them? Just kind of talk about the process that you went through in order to, to feel really confident that you were making a decision and you knew exactly what you were kind of walking into. Yep, um, you operating agreements, everything's on paper. Everything, I mean, everything from whatever, you, whatever scenario you think could happen. I mean, that's a, I don't know how many pages it is, um, but it, it's, it's everything's wrong. And if you're going to go into an agreement, you have to do that. That, that was the, probably the biggest reason why, why my brother and I split up eons ago is because we didn't have everything. We started with nothing. So, I mean, we just figured we'd grow and, and it would all work out. Well, we should have stopped and made an operating agreement at that time to update it or, and, and then an operating agreement you sign, you know, this year, revisit it. Just if, if, if your business changes enough, then revisit it and see if you have to go a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, get it all on paper and, and make it stick because somebody's later on is going to say, well, he's getting too much. Well, no, <laughs> it's right here. Yeah, because I know, you know, in, in this agreement, you already had, you know, a very profitable, thriving business that you're actually going to nest inside of another business. So you're bringing equipment, you're bringing knowledge, you're, you know, you're bringing a lot of things to the table. So, you know, in terms of even having agreements about equipment usage and who pays for what and how the profits get distributed, I'm sure you've even got something in there about expectation of labor and to make sure that you don't get out of whack with somebody sitting with their feet on the desk and you and Kimberly are out there like running as hard as you can to make it all happen. I'm sure that even those kind of things are probably in your agreement in terms of making sure that, that you're crystal clear about how this is going to work before you even start working here in a few weeks when it comes time to start doing the, doing the actual work of farming. Right, right. Well, there's uh, tillage and planting going on right now down here. So mm -hmm. we're, we're actually putting oats and peas in the ground right now. So. Wow, that's exciting. I love springtime. It's fun to get everything rolling again, isn't it? Yep, yep. Awesome. You know, what was the sort of the biggest thing that you felt like you needed to overcome or the biggest fear that you had? And I know, Josh, you mentioned that you were just really worried about Kimberly. So, Kimberly, what was your biggest fear? What was the thing that you were most worried about or had to overcome? I think it was, it was moving from family. Like I knew the business decision and I knew the people that asked us to partner were good people. That wasn't worry so much worrisome. It was mostly moving from family and the unknowns, even though again, we're down here so much the last couple of years that really to live in a house versus a camper with five children is probably a better idea. But it was more that maternal sister instinct that, hey, I want to stay close to family. And a bit of, I guess a little bit of giving up, you know, because I'm kind of taking a back seat right now to the business when things are all official here because, well, what we decided between the two of us, what's most important is our children because we want to have that open communication. And if both of us are still running and gunning with five kids in and out of stuff, it's, that's just not going to be efficient and, and it's not going to be good or safe for the kids 
ain't gonna cause behavioral issues we figured down the road. So we'll just wait a little bit and then they're all gonna have a, hopefully a role. Hopefully they choose agriculture too. As you think about some of the things that we've talked about in terms of, you know, just you know, expanding your business and taking care of your family, you know, what, you know, that's, I think that's just a lot of things that, you know, any business owner really has to, you know, kind of be concerned with is how do we do this in a way that we don't blow the whole thing up or get way out over our skis or take on something that we can't handle. So what would be some of the advice that you might give for, you know, you know, young families in agriculture or even, you know, people who are more established who are like, wow, we've kind of got things going, our kids are older, we maybe could take an opportunity to do something different. What would be maybe some of the advice that you would give the people as they start evaluating that? Find key people, find the right people. They're, they're, the right people are out there. Uh, if you're not going to do it, somebody else is going to do it. That's, that's driven me, uh, us and our business big time, that phrase. If you're not going to do it, somebody else will do it. Uh, so uh, if you think, uh, if you enjoy what you're doing, if you think you can make a business out of it, find key people and do it. Uh, make it happen. I think customer service is a key thing too. I mean, any line of work you're serving and working or working for somebody or with somebody, even if you own a business, you're still doing a service. So good quality customer service and just being, for lack of better words, two shits, people don't anymore. And that's one thing Josh is really good at. I, I mean, I think I'm good at where we do care about our clients and we do care about our employees and we do care about their families and want better for them and but again you can't do it all yourself so like josh said we you do have to find the right people to help you because there's always going to be work to do you know all of a sudden your ears only wake up and i didn't spend any time with my kids you know that's one reason we choose to work with our children but we also need boundaries and we need to take breaks because you can work 24 7 if you want yeah it's still not gonna yeah i think josh that that statement that you made just a minute ago is really interesting because yesterday i was interviewing an entrepreneur and that was her biggest motivator is that she felt like she always her initial response to any opportunity was no and then as soon as she thought about somebody else doing it and how would she feel about it if she was watching someone else take her idea and put that into the marketplace says, I always feel like if I'd be okay with that, then maybe it's not the best idea. But if I can't stand the thought of somebody else doing it, then I better figure out how to get over my objections and get moving and get it done. So I think that's really interesting that you just said, you know, that somebody else will do it if you don't. So I think that's, a, that's interesting that, that that's kind of a motivator for you as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what would you say to people who are kind of overwhelmed with the cost of getting into, you know, some of the diversification things like going into custom work? I mean, that's, that's equipment intensive. It, it takes capital. What would you say to, you know, people who are thinking, oh, I'd really love to do that, but I just don't know how to financially move into that. What would, what would be, because you guys were young, you had to buy equipment. So talk about how you got into this and, and kind of how you've made it grow from there. So yeah, when we, uh, when, when my brother and I split up, 
on and we went on our own. We had to go to the bank and we actually got SBA loans because none of the egg loans fit us because we were custom work. We didn't farm an acre of ground, so we couldn't fall under mm -hmm. some of that stuff. Yeah, it, it was a big deal. Um, we did a lot of, of uh, talking and paid high interest rates or higher interest rates than we should have to, to make it all happen. But also, if you go into, if you get contracts, if you get a forecast of what, you're, what you think you're going to make, and if they're accurate, if you hit your goals, you can, these lenders are eager to, to borrow you money. <laughs> they are, really are. If, if you can show them a business plan that works. So a couple key things out of that business plan, right? That you must have one. You must have, you know, a pretty good handle on your projected numbers and getting contracts in place. So not just verbal ones, I'm assuming. They probably wanted to see something on paper that people intended to do business with you so that there was, you know, some commitment to your future cash flow. Right. And I think that, you know, mentioning the SBA, I think that's actually really critical because I think sometimes we do get pretty narrow-minded in terms of our, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the division that we're in. If we're in ag, we think we need to go through ag lenders as opposed to looking at just all of the opportunities that are out there for entrepreneurs and thinking of our farming operations as businesses rather than as farms. And you definitely had the advantage of that because, as you said, you don't have a land base. Your operation is working 100% for other people. So I think that there was some really key things in there that you were talking about that, you know, in terms of how do we scale up our businesses, there's opportunities outside of the ag space that could really support some of these, you know, opportunities to diversify. Yeah. Kimberly, you know, just to go to some of the things that you're doing, I know that, you know, health and fitness is kind of your bailiwick. That's, that's a passion area for you. And, mm -hmm. and certainly like living life on the road and, you know, working, you know, for farming, sometimes that's hard, right? The health and fitness part of it all is really difficult. Talk about some of the ways that you have been able to incorporate some things that you're really passionate about into your businesses and into your family life. Well, see, growing up, my mom was always passionate about her health, so I definitely got that from her. And because, you know, as a business owner, if you can have all the money in the world, all the work in the world, but you're not taking care of yourself, how is it even worth it at the end of the day if you're so shot and exhausted and overwhelmed because you're borderline probably dying of something, but you just, let's face it, as farmers don't always take time, but you need to take time because you can't pour from an empty cup. And to wind things, rewind things, I went to health and fitness and got a degree. And because I didn't want to work in the cold and work with animals, I was done with agriculture, to be honest, and swore I was never going to have anything to do with it again. And then I met Josh and it was all over from then because I saw the opportunity and you know what, you cannot take the farm out of the girl, no matter what. And so, but I've taken that with me and you know, as I had babies, I didn't practice it as much myself, but put that into more of a nutrition consulting on the side because it's always great to have multiple sources of income too. And it's kept our family healthy. We take a product called Juice Plus and it's just fruits and vegetables in a capsule, but it keeps our immune system strong and keep us, it keeps us functioning at the optimal level. So 
Yeah, and that's why we cook a lot. That's why I've always agreed to cook meals because let's face it, on the road food is, isn't always the best. You know, kind of final question for you. You know, when there are a lot of young people that are struggling right now in terms of, you know, maybe they've gone away and worked somewhere else. They see their family farming operations. They're like, gosh, I wish I could go back, but our farming operation can't support us. Or I'm in my family farming operation and there's, there's an idea I really want to try. I really want to get into, you know, I want to diversify the operation. Tell me what you would advise them, kind of your top tip or two when people are either wanting to come home and there's not enough space or they're wanting to try something new. What, what would be your advice as, you know, agricultural entrepreneurs who have kind of done both, actually? I would say make a, make a business, make a, a second business, one that, and a lot of guys have done it too. If you went to school for welding or whatever, come home, use the shop that, that your dad and your family has and make paper buckets or make, I mean, there's a lot of people that do that. So try to find something that, that you're passionate about or that you're good at and use some resources that are at the family farm to, to help get that rolling. And eventually, hopefully you can just move on and, and you can do that for a business and you can farm for a hobby. Uh, I mean, that would be the ideal thing. Uh, then you're not so tied to the income of, of one family farm. Well, I think everybody has their strength, you know, so if there isn't enough to support everybody, like Josh said, again, add something to it. Or is there an area that, hey, they have this person coming in, has some capital, and they can add value to that and grow that, but maybe this other person can't alone you know, are they wanting to double their herd? Are they wanting to double their equipment? Or is there some acres for sale, but hey, at the home, they can't afford it. But if we put two heads together, you know, pride can get in the way a lot of times. And if you're willing to give and take them and grow and change isn't easy. It isn't. I mean, look what our country's going through right now. <laughs> There's a lot of change. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that that's, that's some really solid advice, especially, you know, when you think about, you know, coming home and, you know, maybe you've got a talent that you can actually monetize. What, what would you say, though, is that, you know, when you, if you've got, like, to go back to your example, Josh, about welding, do you actually kind of just do it as like a little pocket change? Or would you say, you know, kind of structure that as its own business within a business so you can track that revenue and see what you're actually bringing in? in terms of value to the operation? How would you suggest that people structure that? Track it and track every separate operation that the farm has. And if there's one that's just, uh, I can't remember the Bible verse, but if one's bleeding you out, cut it off. I mean, uh, sometimes that's really, really scary because that's what most people like to do is probably the one that's bleeding you the most. And mm -hmm. But again, you there's probably to. emotion attached to that because that's something they started to start the whole deal, but it's not relevant or current. I mean, times change so much and it's what, what does society want and what, you know, you got to stay with the times. I mean, it's, it might not be what grandpa and grandma did, but you can somewhat do what they did, but you have to make it your own and also what your consumer wants too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a fine line, right? Between the legacy 
that we've we've grown up with and what our current marketplace and current consumer base is actually wanting from us as agricultural producers. So I appreciate that. I think that's solid advice in terms of just making sure that you're tracking everything, try to get as be as on top of all of your bookkeeping activities as possible and definitely outsource where you've got um, a gap, meaning that it's something that's going to take you way longer to do it just because it's not something you want to do and you can spend time doing the things that you love, which is probably the thing that you're actually in business to do. So I love that. I think that's great advice. So, you know, for the two of you, I just really thank you very much for your time and, you know, for all the little participants that we've had today, love seeing your little faces. So for those of you who are listening who are wondering about all the activity, you definitely ought to jump on YouTube and see all of our little guest podcasters that we had popping in and out today. It's awesome. And, you know, I hope you guys just take care of yourself out there. And I'm going to be looking forward to seeing you really soon when somewhere along these 800 miles our paths cross. <laughs> yes, for sure. And find Parker Forage on Facebook, friend Josh or I on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us there. Absolutely. So for everybody who is wanting to follow this amazing family, um, we will have all of their contact information in the show notes. And to get to the show notes, all you need to do is just click on this particular podcast. It's going to open up the text um, for this and you're going to see Josh and Kimberly's contact information, their business information. So if any of you are wanting to connect with them, pick their brain, learn from them. I know they would really love that. We're going to make sure that you can do that very easily. So, you know, Josh and Kimberly, thank you again. And we will talk to you very soon. All right. Thank you, Rena. Thank you. You're welcome. This is Rena Striggle, and you have been listening to Ag Inspo, the podcast. Please visit my website at tomorrowiscoming.com and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear from another amazing entrepreneur who has had the courage to break through and bring an idea to life.